Hi, I'm Sonia Jean Killebrew, and this is Black America and COVID, an oral history project. I started this project during Black History Month of 2022 because I wanted to provide a platform for Black Americans to share their stories about living, working, and or going to school during the COVID-19 pandemic. I also wanted to provide a space for people to memorialize someone who is a Black American who sadly lost their life during the COVID-19 pandemic. I was inspired by the work of Zora Neale Hurston, author and anthropologist, to record the experiences of Black Americans in their own voices. My goal is to get my recordings into museums such as the Smithsonian Museum of African American History and Culture, or the Schomburg, or the Library of Congress's Folklife Museum. I'll share a little bit about me and my family history, and then I'll speak to my guests. I'm a Black American. My dad was African American and Indigenous American. His ancestors were enslaved in Georgia. In fact, we still have our family's slave name, which is Killebrew. My dad, Dr. Terrence Killebrew, met my mom in graduate school at the New School in New York when they were both earning their master's degrees in psychology. And I'm a fourth generation teacher. So my mother is a retired New York City teacher. My grandmother was a teacher on the island of Jamaica for 20 years and then in New York for 20 years. My great-grandmother was a teacher in Jamaica up until she got married. She was the daughter of an Irish woman and a black man. She stopped working after she got married because it wasn't considered respectable for a married woman to continue working in the late 1800s. And ironically, my mother began teaching long after she got married in the late 1900s. So, without further ado, I'm excited to speak. So my name is Carla Cherry. Um, I am a native of the Bronx, New York. And do you identify as Black or African-American or Caribbean-American? Uh, yes, I am Black and I identify as African-American. What would you like to share about your ancestry? Well, um, so my, my father's family is originally from North Carolina, a very small town called Hassel. If you uh, blink when you're driving through it, you're gonna miss it. It's a very <laughs> small town in Eastern North Carolina. Um, they came up in the 1930s, I believe. And my mother's family is from Kentucky. And so, oh. um, yeah, when my mother's family came up um, from Kentucky, they lived in Harlem and then they moved to Queens and my mother grew up in the Queensbridge houses and my father grew up in Harlem. I was born and raised in the Bronx and I've lived here pretty much all of my life. Thank you. And I like to share that we know each other through the MSA program at City College. And I've heard you perform your beautiful poetry oh, thank um, you. all on Zoom, actually, because we were both, uh, I graduated in 2020, I think, and you're still there, which I look forward to hearing about. Yes. So, okay, so what would you like to share about living, working, and or going to school during the pandemic? Okay. Well, the interesting thing is that when the pandemic first hit, I was in the middle of my year-long sabbatical from teaching. 
So um, I was uh, living it up. I was, you know, reading books. I was working on um, a gender studies curriculum. That was a project that I was working on during the, the pandemic, or I'm sorry, during my sabbatical in the pandemic hit. I was going to the gym five to six times a week and I was really enjoying my life. And so of course, when the pandemic hit, um, you know, the gym shut down and it was really terrifying at first because they kept giving us conflicting information. They kept saying, you know, you could wear a mask or um, you should wear a mask and we weren't really sure what to do. And so um, I had to make decisions. All right, so who's going to do the grocery shopping? I, I think it should be me. I didn't want my son doing it because he has asthma and I thought he was at higher risk. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also really challenging because I wanted to continue working out. And of course, you know, I couldn't go to the gym. So I was trying to keep up routines at home, but I was so stressed out by, you know, every time I went to the store, to the pharmacy or just anywhere, you know, have I exposed myself to COVID? Um, and it was, it was just really difficult. Um, one thing that did um, give me courage was seeing the um, salutes that people were doing at 7 p.m. And I live in an apartment building. And so um, when I would hear the salutes, I would, you know, go to my window and, and bang pots like everyone else as a form of solidarity to thank our essential workers and um, medical workers who, who were trying so hard to fight the, the, um, the virus. Um, so I went back to work in September of uh, 2021, but it was virtual. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I'm sorry. That must be September 2020. Yeah, all all the all the months just kind of went together. Yes. <laughs> and so um, I I did so virtually because um, I found out that I was at higher risk for contracting COVID, and so I put in for um, what do you call it the uh, medical exemption. And it was really difficult because so many of our students were not engaging. Now, my school had provided each student who needed one with a laptop computer so that they could um, engage in the virtual learning if they elected not to appear in person. But the problem was they weren't showing up to the classes. And so I would do my classes through Google Meet and um, most of the time nobody was there. And so I'm just sitting there looking at a blank screen. Um, The few times the students did engage, a lot of times they had the cameras off, and they, very few of them were turning in the work. There were some students that were turning in work, but they would just do it and just turn it in. And so there wasn't any real interaction. So I really wasn't teaching and it was just really difficult. Um, my co- colleagues and I were constantly having meetings about how we could engage the students. There were times when our superintendent would want to observe classes and we would be stressed out because it's like, the students aren't coming, we're calling them, we're sending them emails, we're sending them Kinvo messages, um, which is a system that um, contacts students through um, text messages. And just very few of them were engaging. And so it was just really, really hard. Mm. That seems to be the theme when I speak to teachers and professors that the students weren't engaging, yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting, that was um, a total opposite of my experience as um, a graduate student. I started my um, MFA program with, with, 
with City College in the fall of 2020. And of course, all of our classes were online, but um, it was totally different with us because we wanted to be there. And so um, our professors really did a great job of keeping the classes engaging and um, people participated. Most people did appear on camera. There were a few who um, did not, but mm-hmm. it was uh, a total uh, opposite of my experience as a high school teacher um, attending uh, classes on Zoom. So it was, it was very different. When did you transition to in-person classes for your MFA program? Uh, just this semester, the, the spring of 2022. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I finally got to attend classes in person this semester, and it's it's been great. Um, I attend all of my classes masked up, of course. I mean, now masks are optional, but mm-hmm. just to be on the safe side, since I am a, a classroom teacher, um, I have a son who has asthma and I have an elderly mother that I want to continue to see, I remain masked. Mm-hmm. I am fully vaccinated. I also had the booster shot, but I'm not taking any chances. I'm going to continue to wear masks until um, I feel more comfortable, I guess. And have, I think the public schools, did they transition to in-person in the fall of 2021? Yes, they did. They did. How is that? It's, it's still challenging. Um, well, I work in a transfer school, and one of our biggest challenges has been with attendance. Um, when we first opened up in the fall, attendance was okay. It was it was uh, less significant than it had been pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. but students were, were still coming and engaging. But uh, one of the issues has been uh, cell phones. Um, our school used to collect cell phones so that students wouldn't be on them during class and they stopped doing that. And it seems like a lot of students really became addicted to their phones during the pandemic. And so now um, a lot of times they're on them in class and kind of scrolling when they should be paying attention. Sometimes uh, they get phone calls and they step outside to uh, talk on the phone. And even when we've told them like, guys, you're not supposed to have the cell phones in class, they continue to have them anyway. Mm. So um, it's been really difficult dealing with student engagement in the classroom now. Um, though I, I have my good days where students are engaged and we're having great conversations and they're doing some writing, but a lot of times they're just staring at their cell phones and it's really, really hard. It's so interesting. I, I hear the same thing. It's um, that we don't know how the pandemic has impacted students, but like what we can see in front of us, how, I guess, how they're not adjusting to in-person learning again. Um, yeah, and I don't really know what the answer is. I mean, I think because cell phones are so addictive, like, you know, when you're getting a like or something, you're getting a dopamine hit, and it's very yeah. hard to overcome something that's biochemical. And I think if um, the school started saying, all right, we're going to go back to the old system where, um, well, particularly in New York City, mm-hmm. um, students weren't allowed to have cell phones in school, a lot of them would go to local businesses and they were able to leave their phones there and it wasn't a problem. They would do that in the morning before they came to school, then they would um, go to school at the end of the school day, they would go back and get their cell phones and it was working. But um, 
I don't know if it's too late to, to go back and do that. I don't really know mm-hmm. what the plan is in terms of dealing with the cell phones. Well, thank you for sharing that. It's it's interesting to hear how life is changing after the pandemic. Oh, and I also like to ask, what was it like for you to go grocery shopping? Like you mentioned, you wore a mask. Did you ever order groceries to be delivered? No, um, honestly, I didn't trust other people to shop the way that I shop because it, I, I understand that, you know, if a lot of people used in the service, then the workers have to throw the orders as quickly as possible. And I wanted to be able to, you know, look at what I'm buying, make sure that it's the freshest produce possible, that the best products, that they don't have um, expired um, groceries and things within my items. So I want to be able to do that myself. When I first started going grocery shopping, I would bring everything home, lay it out on the floor, and I would, you know, clean each item to make sure it was sanitized before I put it away. Mm-hmm. So I did that for a couple of months. And then over time, as I got more comfortable and I saw that I wasn't getting sick, um, I didn't do that as much, but um, I did um, practice more sanitizing practices. Like I would uh, wipe down my door and the doorknobs and just try to keep everything as clean as possible. Whenever we would leave the apartment, we made sure to wash our hands um, before and after we came in. So um yeah, that was, grocery shopping was challenging, but once I was wearing a mask, um, I felt pretty comfortable. Most people were, were doing the same. And mm-hmm. so um, I just got used to it after a while. But, oh. you know, I really didn't go out because, you know, you really couldn't. There was nowhere to really go. And I started valuing my time outdoors. Mm-hmm. And I noticed how clean the air was. It was so mm-hmm. quiet. And it was just really nice to breathe unpolluted air. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we had heard about how clean the environment was during the pandemic because there was less traffic and the air was much much cleaner. And so it got a lot of people thinking, you know, what changes can we make so that um, we're fighting climate change and we're just living in ways that create a cleaner environment? Oh, and I'm also curious, can you describe a 24-hour day during the pandemic of working or going to school online and what you did after work? Okay. I mean, during the, during the, uh, I guess, the shutdown of the pandemic, um, day to day, I would just get up. And since I couldn't go anywhere, I really started working on my sabbatical project, which was my gender studies curriculum. And so I would sit at my computer go through the books that I had read and start writing the lesson plans that I created for this particular project. And I would do that for the majority of the day. And of course I would, you know, stop to cook and and do whatever cleaning I needed to do. But that was what I did day to day, except for the days I had to go grocery shopping and do housework. I was sitting on my computer. Yeah. Yeah. Like most of us sitting all day. Yeah, and as a result, all that weight that I had lost during my sabbatical when I was going to the gym, I put it right back on. Yes. And, um, <laughs> it's, it's been hard to get that weight off. Even now, even though things are, are opened again, um, I don't have the same motivation that I had. Um, I know that the pandemic has taken a toll, even though I didn't lose anybody to COVID, thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've never gotten it. I just don't have the same motivation to to work out that I had. And so, you know, now I'm trying to get back into my fitness routine so I can shed some of this extra weight. 
um, earlier last year, I noticed that my ankles and feet were swelling up and um, I had surpassed 250 pounds that I'd never been that heavy in my life. And I was like, all right, I got to do something about that. But getting that motivation to exercise has just been really challenging. I, I think we've all been really um, affected uh, psychologically by this pandemic. Absolutely. I've spoken to quite a few people who also described like working at home, gaining weight. I know I gained like 20 pounds because the gyms are closed. And in the beginning of the pandemic, I wasn't leaving my apartment either. And so, right. And it's difficult to work out. And as New Yorkers, we were so used to moving all the time. And then to just sit and not even like take the subway, it was, it was such a shock to our bodies. Yeah, it really was. And um, I did start taking the subways during the pandemic, you know, if I had doctor's appointments or something. Um, and I have to say, I had never seen the subway so clean, you know, until the pandemic because they really were doing a good job of trying to keep everything clean. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's really been, it's really been challenging. Um, yeah. The subways, that would be an interesting story for someone to write about. Cause like you said, it was really clean in the beginning cause they were cleaning, constantly cleaning. Mm-hmm. And then when the homeless people were no longer housed in the hotels, you know, to stop the spread of the virus, then the subways became the home for a lot of homeless people because um, they, they didn't have a home. Yeah. I, I had been seeing that even before the pandemic, um, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes in the morning I would try to get on the train to work and I would have to just skip multiple cars because there were people who had been sleeping in the in the train all, all night. And so I didn't feel safe being in those cars. And so mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, a whole bunch of us would be crowded into several cars because the other cars are being occupied by people who were who had spent the night on the train. Mm. And it, it's just um, part of this um, homelessness crisis that is playing not only our city, but this country. This country really needs to do something about the lack of affordable housing, the lack of supportive services for people who are um, contending with mental illness. Um, I know the pandemic has had a huge impact on people who are living with mental illnesses because a lot of um, therapists and psychiatrists started doing online appointments and they weren't getting that um, face-to-face interaction with their providers anymore and that's had an impact as well Mm, thank you for bringing that up yeah you're right that also changed right seeing either talking to therapists on the phone or if some people had access to internet then talking face-to-face but but then that becomes a question of access to resources and who has access who doesn't have access Mm -hmm. absolutely Thank you. Is there anything else that you'd like to share about living and working during the pandemic or going to school? Um, Not that I can think of. Um, You know, I I am happy that I started my program when I did because um, going to grad school during the pandemic really gave me something that I was passionate about, that I loved, that I enjoyed. Um, You know, it was tough doing the homework, but I really enjoyed interacting with people, even though it was online. And it helped me get through the pandemic because I had this thing that um, 
brought me joy. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course, you know, my friends and family brought me joy as well. But um, this was just something for me. And so going to school during the pandemic um, really helped me to survive it. And I'm very happy that I'll be graduating this May. Oh, congratulations. Thank you so much. Oh, it's been two years. (laughs) It has. It it has. And um, wow, there's so much more I could say about that. But um, I'm so happy I did my MFA during the pandemic. Um, My great concern now is um, people dropping the mask mandates. Mm -hmm. And it just feels like it's too soon, particularly since... um, children who are under the age of five have still not been vaccinated. And so I feel that they should have waited until that vaccine was approved before they dropped a lot of these mask mandates Mm -hmm. because, you know, they keep having upticks of of COVID. And it's like, well, if you're telling people that they can move about freely and they don't need to wear wear masks everywhere, then it's going to continue to keep cropping up. And what about our, our youngest citizens who, don't have the the immunization yet mm. we have to be concerned about them but right right well thank you i'm glad that you brought that up and that also that you brought up the time when people were applauding the essential workers uh, and, and banging their pots and cheering because they were on the front lines and that I feel like it kind of stopped when the Black Lives Matter protests picked up, but I do remember the sounds of the applause and the cheering. And, and I think we borrowed it from Italy because in Italy they were applauding at night because um, mm-hmm. they, they were hit hard and then we were hit hard in the States. So thank you for bringing that. It was such a beautiful sound that I remember hearing. Yeah, and it made you feel like you were connected to your neighbors for a, a, a little bit, even though you couldn't socialize with them. Yeah. Thank you, Carla. I really appreciate talking to you. And I'm glad to hear that you didn't lose anyone to, to COVID and you haven't caught it yet. Like, you're, that's amazing. So I'm so glad. Yeah, me too. Um, but it's been hard. Um, I really hate wearing the mask, but I do it because I don't want to get it. But I, I'm noticing that I get out of breath more easily, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. when I have to walk up and down the stairs to, to get in and out of the subway. Yeah. I'm like gasping for breath. And, you know, I'm getting older now. And so sometimes, um, you know, I would find myself getting out of breath, but I get out of breath more easily because of wearing the mask for, you know, 10, 12, 14, maybe 16 hours a day, depending on what I'm doing. So um, that's had an impact as well. I experienced the same sensation walking with the mask on and breathing. I guess we're breathing in our own carbon dioxide, but I do get out of breath faster because of the mask. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I still wear it when I'm teaching because, you know, I don't want to either spread the virus or catch the virus. So, yeah. And um, I continue to wear it at work as well because not all of my students are vaccinated. And now that masks are optional in schools, um, that's still a concern. Even though I keep the windows open, I have two air filters in my classroom. Um, You know, I try to clean off the desks and everything and and spray Lysol when I need to. But um, yeah, I want to make sure that I don't get it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Well, I really, I thank you for your time. It's, sure. it's really an honor for me to speak to you and, and everyone and to hear you share your stories. For me, it's really important that we create the narrative of our lives during the pandemic so that when history looks back, they can hear how it happened in our own voices and that's someone telling our story. So thank you. All right, you're welcome. And thank you so much for reaching out. Thank you. Well, I'll email you when I upload the link and I'll definitely be in touch. I'd love for everyone to gather in the future. So thank you. Um, have All a right, good Friday. You. you too. Bye. All right, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Black America and COVID, an oral history project. If you would like to share your story about living, working, and or going to school during the COVID-19 pandemic, and you identify as Black American, then email me at soniakillabrew at gmail.com. My email is in the show notes of the podcast. You can also direct message me on Instagram through the account Black America and COVID, all one word, all lowercase. If you like the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, then it will give it more visibility, which will in turn allow me to reach more people to interview. My goal is ideally to interview each Black American to create an oral history archive of all the experiences of Black Americans living, working, and are going to school during the COVID-19 pandemic, and also to memorialize the lives lost. Thank you for listening. My name is Sonia Jean Killebrew, and this is Black America and COVID. Mm -hmm.